Resident Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, Jason Barth joins us from right down the street from me in Carmel, Indiana, where he is owner, CEO, and lead designer of the Premier Group, a residential and commercial integration firm that he co-founded with two college friends back in 1999. I recently had the pleasure to connect with Jason and his director of vendor relations, Ken Irvine, during their spring open house at the Indiana Design Center, where Premier has a beautiful showroom that was recently renovated during the 2020 COVID-19 lockdown. We covered a lot of great topics during my visit, and rather than try to summarize them all in an article, I thought I'd take the easy way out and let Jason share his insights directly here on the podcast. Jason has experienced some first with new AV products over the past two years, and he and his team pulled off an impressive showroom renovation that I really want him to share with us. If I had a better mobile unit for podcast recording, we would have done this thing in person, but instead here we are on a video conference. Jason Barth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming back to revisit some of the cool stuff that we talked about two weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And if we're not all comfortable on video chats, et cetera, these days, then something's wrong. That's right. I, I, I'm very comfortable. The introvert in me loves it. So <laughs> I'll take it. Um, and I, I do appreciate you, uh, you doing this. And I, I'm sorry that you couldn't be in your ideal setting. It sounds like you got bumped out of your, your conference room uh, where there's some actual work being done. So that's good for your company. Right. But you're, you're in the accounting office where there's not a whole lot on the wall. So <laughs> I, I am. This is the boring accounting office. Yeah, no no worries. I appreciate you having good lighting so we can see you and hear you well through the audio. So, um, well, this is a, a an odd place to start our conversation. But when I was prepping for the podcast, I realized something I didn't know before, which was that you and I are basically the same age. I kind of figured it out, but usually there's some years difference. But I saw that you were at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana, the exact same years, 1989 through 1993. <coughs> you didn't say that out loud, did you? Uh, that, hey, I'm we're, 30. That, I don't know how you are. Aren't we I'm still 30. like 30 years old? I, I, I still think that's not that long ago. <laughs> but you and I were in school the exact same years. I was at the University of Georgia, but you were uh, at Green, uh, we're, we're at DePaul. Yeah. I grew up in Indy. And back in the fall of 1989, I spent a weekend visiting my high school buddy who was starting at DePaul that week, yeah. uh, right before I headed to school. So we were there probably at the same time, didn't even know it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, 90, 1993 grad. Yeah. Uh, from, I'm originally from uh, north side of Chicago. A uh, lot of friends in that. A lot of people come from kind of Chicago market, um, all over. But, um, you know, DePaul was, you know, drew, drew a lot from the north side of Chicago. Well, I won't. I won't put you on the spot and ask you if you knew my friend. We'll we'll talk offline about that because it maybe somebody that you think was a total jerk, and frankly, I might actually agree with you. <laughs> so let's we'll not. We'll yeah, yeah, for sure. But was uh, he psi or was he a sigma chi? Everybody at DePaul stereotypes by fraternity. He was. A, he was a sigma chi. Okay. Is that bad? Well, you know. I. Uh, well, no comment. Okay, so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll leave that. But I did I did that think just it was a lot of questions though. It it, it does it and, and and I agree with you. So we'll yeah, move it's on. Um, so we uh, 
when I when I'm looking at websites for companies, especially when I'm getting ready to interview somebody, I don't usually get like kind of the origin story on the website. Folks don't always share that. Um, but the fact that your company was started by three friends who went to college together, I thought was a really cool way to um, really provide a local um, connection that folks who maybe are re researching you as a company to work with go, hey, those guys are they they went to school up the up the way and that's that's yeah. really cool and so um, and that in sharing whole your whole team and all the photos it's just a really great website but um, I thought that uh, that you know it'd be interesting to just kind of talk about how you guys decided to start a company together like what were you all interested in tech while you're in school or how did that all yeah happen? so um, I mean it's not the story everybody would expect um, but to touch on the DePaul portion. Uh, DePaul grads are insanely supportive of each other, even if they never knew each other. Like when you find out somebody went to DePaul, they like feed you business, you feed them business, you network, you hire other people from DePaul. Like it's a really tight club or whatever you want to call it. Um, just really good people. Um, I'm sure every school has their connection, right? But that that's what bonds those people is, is going to DePaul together, right? Just like any other school. Um, so interesting, when we started um, Premier in 99, October of 99, probably within the first year, I met a DePaul grad who graduated in 82, right? So 11 years before me, and he was a big mortgage broker in town. And he's like, Jason, you guys do this stuff? Well, that's really great. Let me introduce you to this builder and this builder, right? And he was extremely instrumental in jumpstarting our career, just getting me in front of the right people. And, and that was super cool. Um, and, and, you know, just above and beyond, but as that's what DePaul grads tend to do that for each other. Right. Um, so, so that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, the longer version of starting premiere is we were three best friends that played in a rock band and ended up touring the country for 12 years with five albums. And we were like brothers, you know, we toured over 200 shows a year. So we were living in a tour bus and hotel rooms um, very closely for 12 years. Um, so we kind of joked that we turned our hobby into a profession and our profession into a hobby. Um, you know, I was designing our live touring sound and lighting rigs and we were in recording studios all the time. And so, um, as I think is fairly stereotypical, at least in the CEDIA channel, there's a lot of musicians in our channel yeah, and a lot of sure. guys, a lot of the old school businesses. So 2000 and earlier, right? companies that started in the 80s and 90s. So the, the old guard in our business are two-channel audio guys, right? Yeah. Um, so whether you think two-channel is a dying breed or it's reinvigorating or MP3's killed it or high-res is bringing it back, right? There's a lot of theories on all this, right, that we can all pontificate upon, right? But but the reality is our industry is a lot of musicians and a lot of uh, two-channel guys. Um, I feel like, you know, right out of the gate, I kind of was more than that for me. Um, I love the entertainment industry, of course, um, love movies, right? So soundtracks and multi-channel, and I love great lighting. And so lighting was a big driver early on. And, and we kind of early adopted all of the things that the channel tells us we're supposed to be doing. We were doing like three to five years before the channel told us we should be doing it. Um, whether it was security or networking, you, know, you remember it, 10 years ago, the own the network, own the home speech that we got, right, yeah. um, from from the industry. Well, we were doing that from the beginning, right, mm. before even networks were prevalent. I have to remind myself that the iPhone didn't come out until 07 and the iPad until 2010, which is 12 and 15 years ago now. 
but I don't remember what I did without one. Right? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't remember how I got anywhere or kept a calendar or like, I just <laughs> don't remember not having it. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, so we had an interesting path into the industry where we kind of came from the entertainment industry and provided entertainment for people. Um, and then, you know, it, it just morphed into kind of the beast it is today. Well, my prior magazine, we launched in January 2000. So it was right on the heels of when you launched your company. Right. So that was really getting into kind of a, a, a big spot there in the transition of the industry. There had been some, some coverage of it before, but uh, we were like, we got to really tackle this as a, as a media company. And, um, so you're right there at the beginning of the the real big wave of home theater, but where does, where do you find, uh, this industry, um, even exists, or this is an opportunity as a business when you're touring rock bands and you're working with tech, but you're working with a different kind of tech. So Um, where's the insight come from? Do you just, what's that turning point where you're like, I want to do this for a living. Right. Um, you know, I'm very passionate about music, but like I said, our industry is certainly about more than that. And I, and I think, listen, I mean, we're, I don't know how this is going to come across, but we're a bunch of smart guys from DePaul, right? I mean, uh-huh. DePaul is a tough school um, and, and very formative and you meet a lot of really good people and there's a lot of challenges, um, but you get a good education um, from DePaul and, and, uh, um, you know, come from a very stable family. My whole family's in big corporate America, right? Mm. Um, Walgreens, AT&T, Goldman Sachs, Humana, like big, big corporate America. And I ended up touring in a rock band uh, from the through the DePaul years and after, and then staying in Indianapolis because I liked Indianapolis. Um, and then just, you know, I just wasn't going to go be in the big corporate world. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought when I left high school, sure, I'm going to go to college, then I'm going to move back to Chicago and go into the big corporate world. But that just wasn't me. And like, I think every young kid, whether you go to college or not, um, you're trying to figure out what to do, right? Am I going to be a tattoo artist? Am I going to, right? I mean, what is like, the world is at your fingertips. What are you interested in, Right culinary school. I mean, gosh, who knows? I mean, there's all these great industries that many of them combine, you know, leadership and business skills, but there's always a product, right? So is it a restaurant or is it, you know, you know, some other product or widget or whichever? Um, At the end of the day, we loved entertainment. Our industry was born out of that, um, out of the entertainment was first, then came security, then came networking, then came lighting, right? so now we're a very well-rounded organization, but um, it grew very naturally, very organically for sure. Um, but we were passionate and we were smart and it was a business. And and so, um, it, I mean, it just kind of evolved. Um, well, well, you mentioned the, 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 comp- the, the, the connection to DePaul alumni that gave you some some early connections for for clients. What would you say were some early successes that made you just feel like okay, we're we're established now? Was it that kind of a com- conversation, or were there projects that got completed that you're like, wow, now we can really sort of hang our shingle? This is what we did. Yeah. Um, so that's that's an interesting question. So very good question. Um, we found the business October of '99, right? Your first year, you do four hundred thousand dollars in business. 
Your second year, you do 800,000. So you're like, we doubled. And the third year, you do 1.2 million. So now it's 50%, right? It's harder to, so you're not going to grow, the growth levels out, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going, but by 04, within you know five short years, and let's face it, most new businesses fail in the first three years, right? Um, so it, it is risky. Um, but by year four, we were nominated for CD a dealer of the year. And that was incredibly rewarding. I feel like that early on, we're up against companies that have been, you know, doing it for 20 or 25 years already at that point. Those companies have now been doing it for 40 plus years, right? Yeah. And to have our name in that mix was some of the most respected companies in our industry at the time. And to be nominated for dealer of the year was, was a really big deal um, to us. Um, at the same time, there was an IBJ article about one of the fastest upgrowing tech companies in Indianapolis. And that was very flat. So we got some recognition early on hmm. that keeps you going, right? Mm-hmm. It make, you know, and, and then I fully admit, right, it was really pretty easy all the way through 07. I mean, certainly the home market in Indianapolis was booming, 04, 05, 06, 07. You're doing a house and you turn around and there's another hole in the ground behind you and you fall in and there's a homeowner. They're like, hey, will you do my house? And you just next one, next one, next one. 08 hit and it was a little different story. And we were very fortunate because by 08, we had some really big clients, like seven-figure projects in residences, like quite a number of them, which was staggering to me. Like the, when I signed my first $100,000 job, I was like, oh my God, this is the pinnacle. But then I was signing million-dollar-plus projects. I'm like, right. this is insane. Yeah. Somebody's really got to trust you to spend a million dollars with you, right? Regardless of how much money they have, they have to trust you. And so we take that more seriously than anything. We're working in your home, which is really personal, and you're spending a lot of your hard-earned after-tax dollars, right? This isn't a business expense, right? Yeah. Um, so you put that all together. Some people think we're crazy in our industry, right? And we work for emotional homeowners in really demanding environments. And every time we're we're building the car all over again. Um, but that's one of the things we love. You know, I don't think I could have a production account because I would be super bored. Hmm. Um so, you know, 808 through 10 was was pretty tough financially on the market. And I don't wish it on anybody, but a lot of people went out of business, right? Yeah. Builders filed bankruptcy left and right. A lot of trades went out of business. Um, so I didn't honestly pay much attention to the recognitions and the things that kept us going. And, and then, you know, we kind of just, we honestly coasted for quite a few years till about 20... 16. And then I hired Jamie, my director of business development, um, who is absolutely amazing. Uh, she's absolutely been, she's, um, if, if I was going to give one piece of advice to anybody, hire a rock star director of business development to just be focused on putting the company, branding the company and putting them in the right places at the right time. I still have to do the work. We still have to earn the business. I have to give a good pitch. My team has to back it up. We have to execute on time and on budget. But you got to be in front of the right people at the right time. And Jamie's unbelievable. And she does all our social media and marketing. Um, But that's when she's like, Jason, we've got to be submitting for some of these awards. We started putting in for the awards. And then two years in a row, 18 and 19, we won Integrated Home of the Year in all of North America, the CD award, validated by winning uh, the the same awarded CE Pro, judged by completely different people with completely different criteria. Um, COVID hit took a year off, no awards show, came back and took second last year um, 
for the same award. Um, and, and again, these are big seven figure projects. Mm-hmm. So that's really where we bring the most value is the large projects. We could do anything, but the higher, the more upscale you go and the bigger the project, the more value we bring as an organization. And I think more than anything, those awards really brought everybody together. Like I want to win best dressed rack for Destin and Kenny. I want to win best theater for David and, uh, you know, um, Evan, or, you know, I want the guys to, to get the recognition. Right. Right. Um, at, at the end of the day, I really don't care if my name's on it or not. Right. I mean, the company doesn't have my name on it. it that's not the important thing. I just like to do the work. Um, I like the creative aspect. Um, and I like driving my team. Um, and we've had a lot of loyalty because of that. My core team, the nine of us on the front end of sales and design, been with me 19 years, 20 years, 20 years, 21 years, and 16 years, right? I mean, uh, a lot of years. So so we kind of read each other's mind. We kind of operate like brothers. Um, it's it, We're in a really good place. Well, you and I re- really first connected r- around that 08, 09 kind of time period when things were probably pretty pretty tough um, on the market side, but you were you're in that groove with existing clients, you were in that Chateau um, design center space. Right, um, right, right, right. Yeah. And, and we did a story with you, the uh, residential systems. And then uh, a little bit later that the Indiana design center op- opened up, which uh, for those who aren't local, um, it's, it's a, it's a, your typical uh, very affluent community design center for uh, all the things that go into a house. And you're the only uh, AV integrator in that space now and have this yeah yeah and what year was that when that when you went into that space so we've been in there 12 years now so we were a founding tenant um in 2010 um so the chateau was a great space uh bob moore owned uh the chateau company right they do kitchens and baths and we kind of partnered but that was from the beginning that was a temporary space for us Mm-hmm. Um, we were on Meridian Street next to Starbucks. We knew in the city's grand plan that that strip mall was going to be mowed down and they were going to do the Meridian Street construction. That's, so that, that's that right. I forgot. I, I went there first. That was that was uh, really the first time. I so we knew we started our business out of that location. We were there for almost 10 years. Right. Lease was up. We didn't renew. We, we thank God we got out of there. I mean, that place became a ghost town. You couldn't even get to it with the construction that went out on the roads in front of it. Yeah. So we went into Chateau on a somewhere between two to three year deal waiting for the design center to get built. Mm-hmm. So we were an original tenant with Ferguson. We'd call them the anchor tenant because right, they have the most space, right? Um, conceptual Kitchens and us were the first three tenants. Um, and um, that place is near and dear to my heart. We've built amazing relationships it's a lot. It's a really fun place to go to work. It's a really fun place to take meetings with clients. We don't sit in the conference room very often. We sit out on the couch and chairs out in front that you saw, and we put the presentations up on the hundred inch Sony and just have casual conversation in a really nice space with lighting and great sound and all that around you. We can tour f- some fifteen you know vignettes and do home theater demos and thirty zones of audio and five surround systems and twelve displays, every type of technology shades and lighting and security and cameras it's all there in a very tight space and i think it's very creatively displayed there is no there are no manufacturer logos there's no advertising there's no signage that's on purpose it's a house right people should feel comfortable and the reality is we don't have to sell anything to people they already want to buy it 
We just have to help them figure it out. Yeah. Well, I want to continue our conversation about the showroom, Jason, but let's take a short break. Do you want superior smart home automation at a great value? Shelly Wi-Fi relays by Ultraco Robotics cover DC to line voltage, allowing you to control lights, outlets, appliances, garage doors, pumps, and much more. There are Shelly sensors and power measurement devices to help you measure temperature, humidity, lux, or motion, and electrical consumption from single wire to three phase with neutral. You can use Shelly with a licensed driver for Control 4, Elon, or other premium systems, as well as your customer's existing hub, voice assistant, or any platform that accepts REST, MQTT, or CoAP. Shelly can make IoT very easy. Available now at Blackwire, City Electric Supply, and Worthington, or at ShellyUSA.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Jason Barth, owner and CEO of the Premier Group in Carmel, Indiana. Uh, we were just starting to talk about your uh, your showroom space there at the Indiana Design Center, which you did a full refresh on during the COVID lockdown. And you, you walked me through uh, all the thoughts you had and, and how what a great opportunity it was, as, as rough as that was and stressful as that moment was. But uh, to be able to just really go to town on renovation while no one else was in that building. You could just make as much noise as you needed to and get it all done. So to kind of talk about what it was like a little bit before and then what you felt like needed refreshing and what your ideas were for for making that space current. Yeah. um, I mean, it's a design center. So it is home to a lot of interior designers and a lot of builders and architects bring their clients through the space. So there's a lot of really good partnerships in the space. Um, So we need to definitely be design friendly which is one of our goals anyway, right? Um, One of our two favorite phrases that we use every day that we keep in mind is design matters, right? So we we don't want to be the technology guy that comes in and uglies up the house with a bunch of ugly technology, right? We don't want to see the speakers. We don't want to see a sound bar. We don't want to see electronics. We don't, you know, we want every, we want it to be a house, a beautiful home. Um, so great lighting, of course, that's a whole nother conversation, but great lighting is a big part of that. Um, but distributed audio and video, right? What is the display in the room? Where are the concealed speakers? How good is the sound? Great lighting and shades, of course, security and all that, um, camera surveillance, access control. So it's, it's all in the showroom. It's all in 1600 square feet. Um, you, you don't need a four or five or 10,000 square foot showroom to get a really efficient point across, um, and I'll, I'll even mention, you know, in that square footage, displays, right? We've got a 32-inch, 49, 55, 65, 75, 85, 120, 133, and 160. And all of them are different technologies. LED, OLED, LCOS, DLP, short throw laser, right? We've, we're, we're showing all of the different technologies and all the different applications. A customer wouldn't immediately realize that walking in the door, but if we walk through the spaces and we point out the differences, it's really, really effective. Um, it is a very, very effective showroom. Um, but yeah, it was a huge risk, right? So COVID hit um, February of that year, January, February, and then and then everybody froze and it was a ghost town. And we papered all the windows and we tore the place down to the studs and then some and, and rebuilt it. Um, that was a, a risk. It was a huge risk. I mean, I... If we all remember back, like nobody knew what was going to happen. It was pretty scary. Yeah. Um, but I like to refer to it as a calculated risk. Like, you know, if you think logically, you say, well, it's not going to be like this forever. 
and we can't get in anybody's house right now. Nobody's going to let us in their house. Um, in some areas, the government won't let you even drive on the roads, right? But literally like three weeks later, we got designated essential. Yeah. And we started doing more network and security upgrades than we've, I ever would have thought we did in our entire life because everybody was working at home and everybody needed security, right? Because they were uneasy. So net, networks, Wi-Fi, and security business went through the roof. That's pretty much like, that's what we did for like five months. But we rebuilt the showroom and um, I will tell you, it's the best decision I ever made in 22 years. The most timely, the most efficient. Our lease was up. Landlord called and, and you know, landlord's rep and this gal, Melissa, and she's really fantastic. And she's an amazing attorney and real estate agent. And she's sharp. And she said, Jason, don't worry about it. Just keep paying rent. And we'll, after this blows over, we'll figure out your new lease deal. Hmm. And I thought about it for two seconds and I was like, no, I think we should renegotiate the lease right now because <laughs> it was going to get much more favorable terms at the inception of COVID, right? So I committed to eight more years and a total remodel. And of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. but what a great decision. Mm -hmm. um, we, we got to get all that work done um, and keep all my people crazy busy, um, you know, for a two or three month period there on top of the other, you know, the smaller stuff we were doing. But it just, I mean, it worked out beautifully. I mean, just and, great timing. And and you've been able to secure some first first products available in this area or maybe even in the country uh, in that space? You yeah. Care to share um, about two, the most recent two notable uh, acquisitions or displays, um, Sony, you know, launched their 100-inch TV. It's, I lose track of time, right? The, the weeks are a blur lately. <laughs> yeah. But it's probably been a year maybe a little more. I can't remember exactly when that display came out. Maybe it's not been that long. Um, but, you know, of course, they've always, Sony always has a demo program for showrooms, for retail and all that. And everybody started ordering their 100-inch demos. And Sony said, oh, no, 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 hang on. We can't even make enough of these things for consumers. It's too high demand. It's 20 grand. No demo displays. Hmm. Two weeks later, a 100-inch shows up in our warehouse. I'm like, well, that's cool. Let's hang it immediately. So we went and hung it in the showroom, replaced the Sony 85 inch we had on display, put the 100 inch in place. About three days later, Sony calls. They call Michelle in the accounting office here that I'm sitting in. And uh, they call Michelle and said, hey, we shipped that by mistake. We need our we need the 100 inch back. We're not doing the demo program. And Michelle calls me up. Hey, Sony wants their TV back. I said, great. They can have it back. Just tell them to come and get it. <laughs> like, who is going to come and get the TV? Like, like I, I pretty much know, like what are they coming over from Japan and loading it on a truck? I mean, right. nobody's going to come and get it, but I said, fine, absolutely. They can have their TV back. Just come and get it. And then they called back the next day and they're like, okay, just keep it. Just don't tell anybody. Well, now we're telling everybody. <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. Right. But yeah. so that was fun. So immediately Jamie is like, let's host an event and let's display the first Sony hundred inch in the country. So we got one and Best Buy got one. I don't know what Best Buy mm. store, but some Best Buy somewhere in the country got a Sony hundred inch the same time we got ours. Um, so we immediately launched a, a big promo and did a big event. And, you know, it, it was, it's kind of a big deal, right? When that yeah. thing came out, people were like, holy cow. And I got to admit, Sony knocked it out of the park. The picture is way better than I expected. Way mm -hmm. better. I mean, it looks super sexy. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. Um, a lot of people in our space didn't come from a pro audio background. So the next move I made after that was purely emotional. 
I like to make really good business decisions, fully admit this one was emotional, <laughs> but we came on board with Alacoustics. Um, they are the number one largest, highest end pro audio company in the world. Uh, they're headquartered out of Paris. If you've ever been to a concert, um, well, I'll say, if you've been to two concerts, one of them was probably an acoustic system. They own 50% of the global touring market. Uh, so you can go to their website and look at the roster of all the artists and all the tours they've done. This year, they did Ultra Music Festival in Miami. They did all of the stages. They just did Coachella, all of the stages. Um, so they do the big festivals. They do all the concert tours. They've got a huge installation department. They decided to launch a residential brand. So it's called Acoustics Creations. It's the same products, same concert level quality sound, unbelievable output, super high end, but tuned for re the residential space. So it's the same products, but they just tune it a little differently. And then, of course, they put their big marketing prowess behind it. Um, but I mean, this is a company in Paris that has 125 engineers just developing new products. Mm. But it's speakers, right? It's not like something like super highly you know, with, there's no chipset in a speaker, right? Yeah. Um, they do make their own amplifiers with DSP and all that. And it's all mated, uh, but really great company. So we were the second dealer in the United States. They've got a dealer in New York that's doing high rise condos with some of their really small little four inch speakers that just have crazy output. Um, we brought them in. It doesn't interfere with our kind of pristine high end Bowers and Wilkins home theater type stuff because it's a completely different beast. It's concert level audio. Um, so I've done three demos so far of what they call their SIVA system. Um, it's big column line array speakers with four 12-inch subs, and it's thunderous. You, you could fill a 1,000-seat ballroom, no problem. Um, putting them in a house. Um, I've done three demos, sold three systems. Wow. Three for three. Yeah. I mean, it, if you're in the market and you hear this, you have to buy it. And it's actually priced really, really well. It's not unobtainable. And these these uh, these three projects, um, what was the applications for those that uh, were a good fit for those clients? Um, so um, one is a client is building a residential garage. It's a garage addition. It's an outbuilding, but there's a full kitchen, bar, poker room, sunroom, golf simulator room, and then all the cars lined up. And um, the kids love electronic music. And so there's a dance floor in the center of the whole space. And he wanted, he's like, well, what should we do for audio? I said, well, you got to come in for a demo because I've got the system for you. It sounds like the last festival or concert you went to. I mean, it's, it's just insane. You have to, you have to hear it. Um, I, did I play it for you when you stopped in or not? Yeah, we're, you were having that, uh, that event out there so they were set up and the, they were set the up out, out front yeah we yeah. moved it into our showroom um on the side wall and a much better listening experience than that glass gallery hall out front um i'll have to come back so, and check it out yeah so one there another client um uh high-end theater room so we're doing 11 channel dolby atmos oh man with super high concert output and the other is um, a residential gymnasium. That uh, they, they Kids play, and so they want music in the gym, but then they want to be able to have movie night in the gym. So we've mm -hmm. got a giant 30-foot screen that comes down on the wall. These things flank the screen. So it's kind of multi-use, high-performance spaces. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're not going to put these speakers in your kitchen or your bedroom, probably, uh, although they've got some interesting stuff coming out. Okay. Uh, but... 
Well, uh, speaking have- speaking of theater, so I was really intrigued by the the fact that, and I, I think Ken told me this earlier, and then you and I talked about it that even though you have this showroom that's vignettes and and you specifically don't have a, a theater enclosed theater it's it's a theater setup but that you're building a, a real dedicated theater demo room space in your headquarters uh, building where your offices are um, so yeah. what uh, explain to our audience you and I have talked about it already but why now uh, for something like that um, so that kind of we, we've always had this test room space where we bring a lot of equipment in and out of, but it is set up to be a theater space. It's 18 feet wide, 28 feet deep, 10 foot ceilings. So it's a nice size space for a residence. It's certainly large. Um, uh, and we've always had that space. So we moved a lot of equipment in and out. And I think we just finally came to the conclusion that we kind of want a statement in that room that stays permanently. We could certainly set up a two-channel demo in there for a client or or demo a piece of equipment or something, but, but we kind of wanted to really kind of add that ammunition to our arsenal of a finished private theater. Um, so we were, um, I mean, the room's finished. We fired up, we, we put L acoustics in, so we did 11-channel L acoustics, 12,000 watts of power. Um, it, it's insane. Um, it's <laughs> really amazing. We've got the Sony 1025 laser projector hitting a screen innovations, 209 inch, I think is what we ended up sandwiching. It's two, three, five goes almost wall to wall. So you got about maybe six inches on each side of this 18 foot wide screen wall. Um, Cinematech seating, uh, about 90 grand for eight chairs. Um, the idea is you come in and you sit in the finest theater seat money can buy, um, handcrafted in Germany, experience a really immersive image and concert level audio. The room is fully fabric stretched, but the whole room is black. Okay. What I love, and, and maybe this doesn't resonate with the consumer, but I love going to CD and going to the audio demo rooms and they're all black. And the mm-hmm. picture always looks amazing because the room's black. Mm-hmm. But, but I, you really get focused in on the audio and video experience, right? In a space like that. So what I didn't want to do was build some theater room of some particular style with some particular look and feel where the, a client comes in and they're distracted Hmm. by the look of the room, right? Maybe it was too ornate. Maybe it was too modern. Maybe it had too clean of lines. Maybe it was too art deco. I mean, like what style are we going to build? Right. Um, so I purposefully built a fairly non-stylized room, although it ends up actually being kind of hip and cool. <laughs> um, but it's but it's generally all black. Um, we did end up just custom painting the columns to match the theater seat, which is like a, a grayish leather, more of a warm gray. Um, so th- the room is very cool. It feels very hip when you walk in, but it's not stylized where someone would be distracted. I really mm-hmm. want them to just sit in the chair and 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 go, oh my gosh, this is so comfortable, and recline, and then start a demo. And the idea is to get the oh my gosh, I've never experienced anything like this, right? So it's really you know, the art of the demo has never been gone. Uh, a lot of people have forgotten about it and aren't using it. It's n- nobody's going to spend a quarter million plus on a theater room if they can't test drive it, if they can't have the experience because they wouldn't know why it was that valuable. 
Yeah. Um, this room is going to end up being right around 350,000. We can easily sell rooms up to probably about 500,000 by changing a few tweaks and options and a client could visualize that, or we could go down mm -hmm. to about 150 by making some, you know, maybe their room's a little smaller. Maybe we do half the price chairs, the $20,000 projector instead of the $40,000 projector, the screens a little, I mean, there's, there's variables that are based on size, but then also quality. Right, so we think reasonably that we can do rooms from 150 to 500 off of showcasing this room. So it's a it's a great tool to have in our arsenal. Um, but we couldn't do that at the design center because they're all glass storefronts. Mm -hmm. And to take that kind of real estate and not have light control just didn't make sense over there. Yeah, and and it's a different philosophy than what you're doing there in the design center where. I, I frankly was drawn to your lighting demo in the design center space because it's just it's such a elegant like setup to really understand the mm -hmm. the the cool versus warm lighting and that that sort of thing and um, the fact All that the you guys ways you can light something right yeah yeah exactly you've got you've got uh, artwork on the wall there and different uh, sculptural elements and the fact that you guys have been doing lighting from before light before lighting fixtures were the trendy new thing that people are pushing in the industry, you guys are ahead of the curve on that. Um, and, and I'm so glad to see that you're doing entertainment too, because for a while there, I think our industry was getting more into the network, more into the infrastructure stuff, but kind of not into the fun stuff. And now we're getting the fun stuff again, like the home theater. So that's yeah. great to see. Um, I, I think I, I mean, I've, I have a pitch. If I was going to put my salesperson's hat on, right? <laughs> um, you know, client wants to build a house. They meet an architect. Architect draws 12,000 square feet. Client has a $4 million budget. Builder comes back at $6 million. House never gets built. Why don't you design 8,000 square feet that you can afford and load it up with amenities, right? Um, so finally, I mean, you know, I think a bunch of us have been preaching that for a long time. People were just building too big of houses. I mean, it got obscene. Um, I've got a, uh, an older couple that built a 21,000 square foot house the year before last. I'm not sure why. They don't have a big family. The kids are long gone. It's just the two yeah. of them. I, I, I don't get it. Now, they could afford to trick the house out. That's fine. But build something reasonable and put the amenities in. Certainly our younger buyers, which means I'm getting older, <laughs> Because now we have buyers in their 20s and 30s that make an enormous amount of money and get it. They want five or six or 7,000 square feet, and that's pushing it, and that's a, a nice-sized home, but they're loading them up. Okay. They want everything. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, the network and the infrastructure. That's, that's all necessary, but it's not fun. Um, so um, if I was going to kind of share – both our priorities and what I think customers' priorities are, right? we preach like the foundation of the house, right? You wouldn't start framing without a good foundation, right? Our foundation is the wiring infrastructure, the network, and power management because everything we do needs a wire to power it and it sits on the network, right? So those are the essentials. But we don't lead with those. We lead with the fun stuff, great lighting, motorized shades and drapes, entertainment, Right. We lead with that. We really lead with lighting. About 40% of our business is lighting design, specification, fixtures, and controls. About 40% of our business is audio video. And about 20% security and camera surveillance and infrastructure because they're just not as big a ticket items. Yeah. 
And that's awfully stereotypical, but literally our overall business looks like about 40, 40, 20. Mm -hmm. um, what I, so we lead with the lighting, make the house look beautiful. When you go through a lighting plan with a client, you're talking about every single in, square inch of the house. You're talking about every space. Well, where's your furniture going? What color are these cabinets? What color are the floors? What color are the walls? How high are the ceilings? Um, you're going through all this detail, really getting the client to live in the space. And, and I often find that at that meeting, at the first lighting design meeting where I'm extracting information from maybe them and their interior designer and the builder and the architect, that they actually haven't lived in the space yet in their mind. Nobody forced them to think about these things yet. And so it is a lot of fun because you're space planning so that we could light, like where's the artwork going? Where are furniture pieces going? you know, colors and style and flooring and countertops and all that comes into play um, makes a huge difference in how you light. Then we talk about the five layer cake, right? The more layers of lighting, the better your house is going to look, right? Lighting is a reflective property. It's a very simple principle, right? Four can lights with a switch shooting down in the room doesn't light anything. Lights the floor, maybe if the light even gets to the floor. Um, you want to light the architectural elements of the space and you want to feature, you know, create drama and, and, and decorative lighting is the jewelry of the house, right? So lighting's always the lead. And then people love entertainment. So then we get through that. The reality is, and I can go that route because I already know, and, and this is true, the more wealthy that you get, um, the, the absolute, the uber wealthy I've learned will spend any amount of money. Money is no object where their health is concerned, right? So health is number one. Number two is their family safety and security, right? So if we've got an estate home with a gate, gate control and cameras, access control in the house, camera surveillance, security system, life safety devices, that's all like a given. They're going to buy that because they value their family's safety. So I, I don't help with their health unless we start now having a conversation about the health and wellness category, right? Yeah. Uh, clean, Air, you know, air and water purification is huge, right? So, so that's a whole emerging thing. Right. So, so we do touch on healthcare and health and wellness, and we don't like to do fitness rooms. We call them fitness awareness rooms. We like to do health and wellness rooms. Let's mm -hmm. make it real. Let's make it more relevant and actually use it. But you're going to get that business um, from, from the upper scale clients because they can afford it, and it's their number one priority, and security is their number two priority. Of course, they want to be entertained. So that's number three. The most fun is the education about lighting and getting them excited about their space. And no one has ever regretted our lighting package. Maybe it was a lot more money than they ever thought they were going to spend on lighting. But every single client is like, Jason, this is the best thing you did for us. This is my favorite thing in the house. Our lighting is amazing. So that's extremely rewarding. Well, it, it's it's a a great way to walk. It, it was a great way to walk me through the process when we were there in person, um, and and explaining looking at a, a a lighting plan how how excited clients get and really start to understand their space for the first time and and the way you just explained it uh, to really illustrates that so well. And uh, I appreciate you really going back through so much of what we already talked about, Jason. You did save me time writing an article. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna let everybody listen to this, and then I'll I'll probably end up putting it in the magazine as well. But uh, I hope the year continues to go well for you. And thanks again for taking the time out to chat with us today. Yeah, no, I appreciate it very much. Um, you know, we're nothing if not passionate. Um, 
even when we argue about solutions in the office, I refer to them as passionate conversations, right? Right. Um, it, it's fun for sure. Jason Barth is owner, CEO, and lead designer of the Premier Group in Carmel, Indiana. You can learn more about his company at premier-group.com. And that wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast on your preferred platform and consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the bi-monthly print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.